for example, opportunity zones, which is the most recent, uh, it, not the most recent, but one of the most recent tax changes related to real estate. The incentive there is, okay, we want people to put their large capital gains that they have into an underdeveloped area and rebuild the property or add significant value to it and hold it for a really long time. I mean, a lot of benefit if you hold it for at least 10 years. So that's a very specific example. But the idea behind that is hopefully rebuild an entire area, an opportunity right. zone, which is a possibly underdeveloped area in, in the United States. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I hope you uh, don't turn the volume down too much. I try to start off with a little energy, but that's because I have such an awesome guest today. I'm really excited to introduce Nick Iola, who is a CPA. And I know we've had CPAs on this podcast before, but everyone is unique. And it's always good to have a CPA who is focused and specializing in real estate, obviously, because that's what we do here on Weiss Advice. But in case you forgot, my name is Yona Weiss, and I'm your host. But our guest is definitely more important today. So I'd love to introduce Nick. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing great, Yona. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, without an intro- introduction like that, we can only uh, go so far. But you <laughs> are the, you know, you're an entrepreneur. You started your own accounting firm. It's called Iola CPA, right? Very uh, catchy name. Uh, Very, I original. Say. Yeah. <laughs> Very original. And, uh, and, but it's what's unique. Not, I wouldn't say unique about it. What's, what's special about it, what I love is the fact, number one, you are focused on real estate. And there are not a tremendous amount of CPAs out there that are solely focused on real estate. And I get people asking me daily, do you know any good CPAs that understand real estate and understand cost segregation, this stuff? And it's like, um, yeah, I do. <laughs> and uh, happy to happy to introduce people and, and make those connections. But you're also, uh, you run a virtual accounting firm, which means that you work with people all over the country. That's true. Yep. Virtual accounting firm, like you said, exclusive to real estate. I'm a real estate investor myself. So yeah, we are as segregated as we could be and no pun intended with the cost segregation. But what, yeah, I mean, we're trying to add value to specific subsect of people, which is real estate investors, you know, people just like me. And it's a niche, uh, it's a niche that, that is needed, right? There are, sure, there are others out there like yourself, but there's not enough of you. And that's really the point. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the approach I take to it is that, you know, any, anybody that is involved in real estate, I shouldn't say anybody, but most people, you know, that you talk to involved in real estate, real estate investing, they can talk about it all day and I'm no different. So even just taking off the CPA hat, putting on the investor hat and just sharing experiences, talking about uh, different deals and different investment strategies, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with all the tax planning. So it, it only made sense. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the background, like how you got started, obviously your CBA, right? That's uh, clear. But in right. terms of real estate investing, like how did you get involved in that? How did you find this niche of uh, of real estate accounting? Yes. So it's a good question. I, I've always kind of been interested in it. I've somewhat grown up in real estate. My family has been involved in real estate and a lot of accidental landlords and other families, uh, members just grow, as I grew up, just saw it around me. I knew it was always something I was interested in, always interested, you know, with the accounting path, always interested in numbers and, uh, you know, um, investments and from a young age, even playing around with the stock market. So always interested in uh, how best to control and manage and invest your money. And 
just over time, you realize that, man, there's there's really no better strategy for long-term wealth building and generational wealth building than real estate. So just something that I always knew I wanted to do as a young kid and growing up and just seeing more of it. And once I got into the tax field and after college, I spent a few years in Manhattan working for a firm. And uh, just once you start to see some of these numbers and how they, you know, that the firm I worked for was not specialized in real estate. We did work on a lot of real estate, but not specialized. So you got to compare a lot of real estate investors to other industries and other entrepreneurs, other business owners. And for me, there was really no comparison. I just enjoyed working with real estate investors the most. I saw the benefit the most. And uh, it just made sense that, man, I, you know, when I always wanted to own my own firm, and I say when I did that, this is only one focus for me. That's amazing. And it's maybe you can talk about that a little bit more because I don't know if everyone realizes, and especially coming from someone who's, you know, you're looking at a lot of different people's tax returns and you're seeing, you know, we always like to say on this podcast, right? It's not about how much you make, but it's how much you keep, right? You're right. seeing the differences between different business owners different employees or whatever, and, and people who also, you know, maybe on the side also have real estate or, or focus fully on real estate. Can you talk a little bit about like the differences between, uh, and I guess the benefit you said, you saw the benefits there. Like what, what was that? Or what are some of those things? Yeah, of course. I mean, being in a tax firm, we're kind of looking at it in a vacuum of tax, right? Real estate is a tax advantage investment, no matter how you slice it, especially buy and hold long-term rental real estate. It's it's very tax advantage. So to see, you know, we had a lot of generational clients at that firm. You would see their grandfathers and fathers and their, their returns and eventually their kids. And you would see investments passed down and appreciation over time. And you have things like step up in basis that happens with inheritances when you inherit real estate and 1031 exchanges, cost segregations. You know, we can go on and on about different tax strategies, but when you bring the tax angle into real estate investing, you really see like, you know, like what you said is it's about what you keep. And in rental real estate or a lot of other real estate investing strategies, you get to keep a lot more mm-hmm. um, just because it's very tax advantage. What I always tell people is that tax code is really like a set of directions, set of incentives. And if you know mm-hmm. how to read them, and apply them, the government's kind of telling you, hey, put your money over here and we'll give you some tax benefits because it either helps the economy or is uh, energy efficient or you know who knows? There's uh, tons of different uh, credits and deductions for right. different benefits, uh, you know, different investments that you can make, but real estate is one of those and sure. might, might even be the biggest one in the entire tax code that Absolutely. you're providing a benefit to the economy. So the, the IRS is rewarding you with a tax advantage investment for putting your money into real estate. So we've talked about this a lot. I've definitely brought this topic up a, a ton of times, but I'm, I'm always curious to hear like, what, what do you think is the reasoning behind that? Yes. I mean, I've said it before, you know, it's the, the tax code, like, just like you said it, right. This tax code mm-hmm. is like an incentive manual basically, but right. why, like, I mean, philosophize with me for a second. I know you're, <laughs> you're an accountant, but like, why do you think, right. Real estate is something that is really, you know, contributing that much to the economy. Yeah. I mean, it depends on, that's the typical tax answer, by the way. It depends, <laughs> right? So it, it which depends is why, on what which you're- Which is why I'm digging deeper. <laughs> yeah. On what you're looking at, take, for example, opportunity zones, which is the most recent, uh, it, not the most recent, but one of the most recent tax changes related to real estate. 
the incentive there is, okay, we want people to put their large capital gains that they have into an underdeveloped area and rebuild the property or add significant value to it and hold it for a really long time. I mean, a lot of benefit if you hold it for at least 10 years. So that's a very specific example. But the idea behind that is hopefully rebuild an entire area, an opportunity right. zone, which is a possibly underdeveloped area in, in the United States. Right. So that's one example that you know maybe you have you're targeting people with large capital gains, potentially a lot of money to go into areas that don't normally see those type of investors. That's an example. There's providing housing to people is always going to be valuable. Um, there's low income housing credits. You know, there's there's tons of opportunity within real estate. But the most basic advantage you have as a real estate investor is depreciation, which is the simplest and which is the, the one that most people are familiar with because it's available to and required for every right. landlord. Right. Um, you know, it's a non-cash deduction. So you get tax-free cash flow, immediate benefit. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Obviously it's uh it's my uh, livelihood. So it's uh it's yeah. a good thing, right? <laughs> the of course, is great. Exactly. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Well, I want to just kind of point out something here. Maybe our listeners haven't come across you before. I mean, you're out there, you're on, you're online, but specifically in bigger pockets. And you did something a few years back and it's crazy to think this is already like, maybe this is like four years, four years ago already. When you did, he, uh, Nick did, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, if you're on bigger pockets, you'd probably come across him before, but he did a post, which has probably become like the most viral uh, post <laughs> on bigger pockets to date which was like, ask me anything. I'm an accountant and ask me anything related to real, to real estate and taxes. And literally there's probably, I mean, I still get notifications right, all the <laughs> yeah, time, <me> right? <laughs> Obviously you do. <laughs> going back to that post, really literally what you're doing, if you go through that post, which is like I said, probably thousands of answers at this point, it's just all like a whole course on real estate and investing and taxes. Yeah. It blew my mind more than anybody's. Believe me. I made that post. I was a lurker on bigger pockets for a long time before that. I gained so much value from that site, not only as uh, just like a, a networking tool, but just as an investor educating myself. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'm in a position where I have hopefully some information that people can benefit from. So let me give back to the community. Essentially, I learned so much from bigger pockets. So let me offer some something in return. And I made a post thinking that maybe I'd get a couple of responses, a handful of responses, but man, it, it I did not expect it to take off the way. I actually just got a few uh, more questions just the other day. So it's still going, you know, all these years later, which I'm, you know, I'm still active on it. I'm happy to answer questions, but yeah, it's, uh, it's strange to see it if you go backwards. Cause you know, so many tax laws have changed yeah, it's true. <laughs> since it started that, you know, I always say that to people is read it with a a grain of salt, knowing that take the date into consideration because right. tax laws have changed. But yeah, it's it's amazing how far it's how far it's gone. That's crazy, and it's incredible. What's the most incredible about Bigger Pockets? One of the reasons why I love the platform so much is because they've invested a tremendous amount into the content there. And for some reason, I mean, I don't know what's behind it, but Google tends to pick up on Bigger Pockets anything related to real estate, which means mm. the SEO content that is in there is, is very high quality, which means if you search any topic related to real estate, ask a question to Google, bigger pockets is going to come up in the results. For sure. Which the amazing thing is different than other, you know, social media platforms, if you will, bigger pockets is in a way a social media platform to a certain extent. But the way that it's very different is that the content stays up there and is really evergreen, which means mm -hmm. you can search something and get an answer that was written, you know, 
a year, two, three, five, ten years ago, and it will still point you to that. And I mean, you can maybe right. talk a little bit about this, but obviously that post has helped to uh, have people reach out to you, help you grow your practice and your business, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I get people reaching out to me from like a post I wrote like three, four years ago. Exactly. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, bigger pockets is so well indexed that nothing you or I, definitely not me, that I could do on my own could compete with the resources they have or the the presence they have online. So it's, it really is unbelievable. I mean, you know, you cast your rod where the fish are. So for me to make a post on bigger pockets, uh, certainly is going to reach more people than if I posted something on, you know, our website or our own social media channels, which has a, I mean, infinitely smaller following than bigger pockets. Right. So, um, and that was the idea. How can I help the most? How can I get the most outreach to people where I was able to find the most education myself? Absolutely. And, um, you know, just a little bit of luck that it took off. I'm, you know, I'm happy. There you go. And to be, you know, truth be told, anyone can do that. And I think I would urge any of our listeners here who are listening to this, if you're not on bigger pockets already, or if you are there and you're like, you know, the rest of us who for the most part are, are lurkers and kind of just asking questions and, and learning stuff. And stuff. If you do have something that, you know, it's such a great forum, really the forums, that's what they are to just share your knowledge, right? If you know something about, you know, um, title insurance, or you know something about, you know, uh, mortgage rates, or, you know, something about, you know, multifamily, syndications or whatever it is, get on that platform. There are people asking all the time and you become a resource. And especially if, uh, you know, if you have a pro membership, I'm not, I'm not affiliated with the bigger pockets and I get anything, but if you do, <laughs> you get your name and, and your website literally like on your name tag, essentially. So anytime your name or you post something in the forums, answer any questions, your contact information is right there for people to reach right back out to you. So highly recommend it. Um, again, this is not a, uh, a promotional uh, for bigger pockets, but it is something that, you know, I too have gotten tremendous value from. So happy to give back in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you see your firm, uh, you know, going, obviously you're a real estate investor, you've grown your, your company, you know, is, are you in growth mode still? Are you still like growing in terms of taking on a lot of new clients and employees and things like that? Yeah, definitely in growth mode. Um, you know, the the way I uh, approach the, the business growth is uh, the same way I approach investing or any anything else. Basically, is how do we the, the the central idea is we have something hopefully that can help other people. And taxes are often, and investors are really a business owner's biggest expense, and they don't even know it usually until they file their tax return. So to alleviate some of that, that's the most important thing. So who can we help? And as long as there's people we can help, um, I'll always be in growth mode. So the more people that are out there doing real estate investing mm -hmm. or running real estate businesses, I have no doubt that that number will continue to grow. Uh, then, then I take the same approach. Um, and the good thing about running a virtual firm is it opens, like you said in the beginning, it, you know, it opens us up to the entire nation. You know, we can service the entire nation and even when growing our internal team, you know, we can, we can grow within the entire nation. We can have employees all over. Right. Uh, so for me, like I said, if there's, if there's people out there that are willing to uh, work with a CPA, a tax strategist that that's, you know, um, specializes in real estate, I'm happy to keep uh, keep offering the service. All right, sounds good. What advice would you give to someone who's you know maybe someone like yourself who's a a business owner? 
you're right, or something like that. And you, and you trying to grow. Obviously, nowadays everyone is working virtually for the most part, right? To a certain mm-hmm. extent, oh, yeah. not everyone. Okay, obviously, no, but but for the most part, with this online, you know, kind of world that we're living in, and the advantage with a lot of service professionals, myself included, can be really anywhere, and and you yep. can do what you do for to to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Any advice you would give to someone in terms of helping to grow that or scale that? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big systems guy. So systems and processes, spend the time up front, setting up, setting yourself up and setting up your backend systems and internal processes for growth with the intent that you may have five, 10, 15, 50, hundred employees one day, and that system can grow. Uh, that's how I try to be <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. And that's the reality of it. But you try to be um, advanced or proactive, I guess, with your systems and your processes. That way, when you do, you know, sometimes growth happens when you're not even ready for it. Take the bigger pockets post, for example. I mean, that kind of blew up almost overnight. And all of a sudden you get all these new inquiries and you got to be ready for it. And hopefully you can, you can service all these people. And luckily, you know, we were ready for that. So even if you're, you, you don't think you can handle additional workload possibly at the moment, develop a system that will allow you to in the future and, uh, and just be flexible with that. That would be my, my best advice. Absolutely. I mean, this is great advice. Building those systems is so important. Uh, and you, like you said, you never know when it's going to come. I mean, I just to yeah. give you a, a personal anecdote, I did a, a, a podcast and I've done, you know, hundreds of podcasts, literally I've been, you know, a guest mm-hmm. on 200, I lost count. It was over 200 <laughs> and, uh, I was on one and literally like that, one podcast like blew up like the the host of that it, like has a facebook group with very active clientele whatever it was I li- i've you know literally gotten like hundreds of clients from Amazing. that and it's like, cre- like i was not expecting that and still to this day it's still coming in very strong the point i'm trying to make here is that you don't know where you know where that's going to come from so you know keep putting yourself out there but make sure you have those systems in place exactly that's, that's huge advice yeah. that's awesome Yep. Availability and flexibility. Yeah. Availability. That's the hard part. My calendar yeah. is like booked two weeks out. Like, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it's hard to do, but it's good. Obviously you have those systems. So if I didn't have that calendar, like, I don't know what to do. Right. If I didn't have that kind of way to, for people to book appointments in advance and things like that, for example. Right. That makes conversation. it part of that's easier too, virtually. I mean, you have your, you have so many tools at your disposal that you can, uh, you could try to see what you like, what you don't like. And a lot of software help out there, which is good. Hundred percent. One question for you regarding taxes, and obviously you're not a psychic. I'm not a psychic. Nobody <laughs> knows. And this, this has been there's been so much back and forth between new proposals and this and that. But is there anything that you know of that is really kind of set in stone that people who are real estate investors should be looking out for, or at least be aware of, in terms of certain changes that are coming in the you know in the next year or so. I wish I had a, some sort of concrete answer for you, but set in stone, nothing, nothing that I can say for sure. The good news is, is that the more back and forth there is, the more it seems to target uh, higher income individuals. So a lot of people are falling under thresholds um, that previously maybe they would have exceeded and now they aren't anymore. Um, you know, so it, it looks like there's a little bit of backpedaling, uh, but you know, the, the, and this may not be specific to real estate investors, but the, the biggest one so far that's concerning is the they're trying to kill off a lot of these Roth availabilities, you know, backdoor Roth conversions and mega backdoor Roth conversions. And a lot of this seems to be, at least in some capacity, 
looks to be a, a negative outcome for for uh, for these vehicles. But other than that, there's not there's not too much that I'm I'm 100 sure of, or even 90 sure of. We you know, we don't right. we don't know. Yeah, it's crazy because there's been so many discussions uh, about there. It's it's like so much ink spilled to to use the cliche yeah. about these reform and these bills and you know and this and back and forth and maybe 1031s going out. No, it's back and maybe this and maybe that. You know, I wait yeah. for to a certain point. You know, I wish they would just like decide something. But I, yeah. I think yeah. like the tax reform, the uh, you know the tax cuts and jobs like a few years ago was so huge. That's really hard to believe that there there would be another one so quickly. It's really, it really is exactly like you said it. I mean, the the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, that was the biggest tax reform since 1986. And even since then, we've had, you know, the CARES Act and all these other COVID tax law changes that were not insignificant. And Mm -hmm, as a CPA, I'm sure all the other CPA listeners out there can back me up that the timing wasn't ideal right in the middle of tax season too. So, you know, (laughs) that wasn't really fun. But just a whole slew of new tax laws, and now we're getting we're getting another another round now. So it's just been these past few years have been so volatile. And as a as a tax strategist, you know, a tax advisor, it's becoming impossible, you know, to help accurately plan and forecast for one, two, three years in advance because you just don't know. You don't know yeah. what the law is going to be like. You know, conversations I had in 2020 for 2021 didn't apply after these COVID laws came out. And and same thing, I'm sure now conversations we're having now under the guise of what we know, think is going to happen with, with the Biden administration plan. It may not apply, you know, when push comes to shove in the law and it's finally signed into law. So it's really hard to advise, um, but we can speculate, have certain conversations and, and be flexible with our planning. That way you have different routes. And if, if this, then that, you know, and, and kind of, approach it like that. Yeah, for sure. It is so hard to plan, but I guess that that makes your job a little harder, but at the same time makes it, you know, more, you know, people keep coming back and checking in, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I always, I always joke around that. Like, you know, I'm happy. Yeah. I, it sounds like I'm complaining, but I'm not because this is, this is the reason I have a job. <laughs> you know, people realize, Oh man, I don't want to, I don't want to read 800 pages of tax law. Right. <laughs> apply it to me. Give it to Nick and Nick will take care of it for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a light weekend reading. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Nick, it's been uh, a pleasure uh, talking this discussion. We can go on forever, but I want to transition to now a segment we call the final four, the four questions I ask all my guests. The first question to you is going to be, what's the worst job you ever had? Yeah. I've listened to your show and I, and I, I know you asked this question and I had to think about it because I've been, I've been fortunate enough not to really have any, any bad jobs, but one did come to mind and it wasn't technically a job, but I'm going to count it. And I'm going to count it because it was a, it was an on the job training that I quickly walked away from. So there was this one summer job that I went on this quote unquote interview for, and the interview happened to be in the field. And it was basically like this we would go around uh, knocking on different businesses and residences doors and ask them if they had any cracks or uh, I don't even know, dents, I guess, in their windshield. And we would call the insurance company and get their auto windshield replaced for them. And that was a nightmare. I only did that one day. And that was, I knew right away. It was, it was nice going around, I guess, talking to people, but the job in and of itself was an actual nightmare. So I, once I thought about that, I was like, this is definitely the answer to this question. Cause I could never 
go back there for a second day. It was just not my cup of tea. That's crazy. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like not the ideal type of situation, but there are people no. out there doing that. You know, that's, that's the crazy. Yeah. Thing. No, Hey, nothing against, nothing against them. Just wasn't, wasn't for me. Wasn't for me at all. <laughs> Realized pretty quickly. Uh, one day on yeah. the job. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. All right. Second question. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? I'd say the e-myth, probably a, a common answer, Michael Gerber. That one completely changed the way I thought about, about business as an entrepreneur. Well, going back to the earlier conversation, systems. I mean, that mm-hmm. was, you know, set, set up your systems. Uh, and that's one of the major reasons I, I did that in the beginning was that book. So I, I'll, that'll be my answer every time. I'm, I'm sure a lot of the, your other guests said the same, but that's for me, uh, couldn't be more true. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've definitely had that. The great thing about this is the unique, uh, you know, everyone's unique. Everyone has their own, their own paradigms to begin with, but uh, we've definitely had that book has come up and E-Myth revisited as well. But mm-hmm. there are uh, so many books out there, especially business related books that are really yeah, yeah. what I've learned just from this podcast, just a huge list. I mean, going on 200 episodes here, it's- uh, I'm sure you have a lot of reading to do. <laughs> I, got, I got a huge reading <laughs> list. That's true. Um, third question for you, what's a skill or talent you would like to learn? I Part A and part B. Part A would be non-business related. I, I love to draw. So I would say to- hone my drawing skills. I, I enjoy doing that. Um, always did growing up and kind of took a break for the last however many years. I, I'd probably say I'd like to like to do that. Um, Interesting. Get a little better at that. Part B would be more business related answer. I need to be better at social media. That's something that I often neglect and need to get better at. Um, that's just something that I, I need, to, need to do. So that's, that's a skip, definitely a skill. And yeah. one that I need to sharpen. Absolutely. Well, on the first one, um, you know, there's that's 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 pretty amazing because you know, drawing and, and accounting are really kind of like two <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of skills, I guess you put it. Yeah, and, different sides of the brain. Yeah, totally. But that's pretty cool if you can, you know, if you can utilize both of them. Sure I guess that's why I haven't done it too. Uh, it's been focusing too much on the accounting side. Like, could be. That's why I guess it could be. Yeah. yeah. The other one, the social media. I mean, for a lot of people. You know, hiring someone uh, who was kind of a social media manager or something like that, I've seen be very successful, meaning you can put content out there and just kind of get it repurposed and stuff like that. So, you yeah. know, what's funny about that? I I did do that, um, you know, for the past year or so, I've been working with a social media manager. And the thing is, like, for me anyway, I can't speak for anybody else, but, you know, since I don't have that inherent social media skill, it's really hard to manage a social media manager. Maybe that's the skill I need. Is, you, is, you know, I need to understand the, the, the actual workings of social media better and the marketing side of it. Gotcha. Um, that makes sense. That actually yeah, makes then, a lot of sense. No, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And each, each, uh, each platform has its own unique elements to it. So it is challenging, but very true. Yeah. Different, different, certain things perform better or worse on different platforms. And that's all, as I mean, that's all the knowledge that I, you know, just haven't spent the time to really dissect. Right. And, uh, you know, I can look at reports day in and day out and it's still <laughs> probably like some people tell me when they look at tax returns. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Just like a different language. So yeah, the numbers, numbers make sense. It's the social media stuff I got to get better at. Gotcha. Okay. Well, the, there's definitely people out there to follow. And, and like I always say, whatever you're doing, like 
find other people that are doing it right that you say, oh, that guy knows, that girl, you know, they know what they're doing in terms of social media. Mm-hmm. Just kind of emulate and, and replicate the, the way that they're going about doing it, obviously adding your own personality to it. And, uh, and that's usually the best, best advice I would have for that. Sure. I, I appreciate that. Definitely good advice. And then the fourth and final question, what does success mean to you? This is a good question. This is the toughest one. I'd say in simplest terms, probably to be able to do what I want, when I want, how I want, with who I want. <laughs> That's probably how the easiest and at the same time, most complex way I could define success, just to have the flexibility to do what I want at any time. Um, doesn't really have any correlation to you know number of doors as an investor or net worth or anything like that. It's just the flexibility to be able to do what you want. Very well said. That's that's really what it's all about, you know, flexibility and having the right, you know, the right teams, the right systems to to make sure that you have that flexibility. That's uh, really what it comes down to. So, appreciate you taking the time, Nick. How can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Yeah. So after that big social media spiel, I guess I shouldn't <laughs> give any social media the details, right? But you could probably the easiest way is probably to go to our website. It's iolacpa.com. It's, that's a i o l a c p a dot com. Has all the social media handles on there, contact information, and that's probably the best way to to get in touch with me to reach us. And just like on Bigger Pockets, I'm there. I'm there as well. Always happy to to talk network, even if it's not about taxes. Just chat chat about real estate, anything else. Awesome. There you go. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you again. Appreciate you taking the time today. All right, Yona. Thanks so much. All right. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us until the end. Remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.